Good morning, everyone, and a second welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Nice to see everyone today. Uh, as uh, Dirk briefly uh, reported, uh, yesterday there, there were uh, a number here hard at work all day in uh, St. John Ambulance's uh, first aid uh, training so that we can be better prepared to respond to emergencies and to, uh, uh, to take care of, uh, of uh, things that can arise. We, we pray will not arise, but uh, um, just you, you can be assured that we're, we're working to keep you safe and to uh, be able to respond to needs that, that uh, do come. I wanted to talk with you a little bit this morning about uh, some of the things that humanity has done over over the centuries, we, we've come up with some terrible uh, forms of torture. Uh, there's, we've, I, I think we have exhausted human ingenuity in looking at different ways that we can inflict pain on one another. Waterboarding is maybe one of the latest innovations that makes headlines today. Uh, in the past, medieval times, they talked about the rack. I've often wondered whether one of my ancestors was subjected to that form of torture. Um, but... There, there was many different ways that people have uh, thought of in the past to inflict pain, torture uh, on others. But interestingly, one of the most damaging forms of torture is probably the simplest. Uh, U.S. Senator John McCain spent five years in Vietnamese prisoner of war camp. is very well known. But interestingly, although he had been beaten regularly, denied adequate treatment for two broken arms, a broken leg, chronic dysentery. He said that the worst form of punishment that he underwent was not physical. He said the worst form of punishment that he underwent in those five years was the two years he spent in solitary confinement, all alone. Study of 150 Viet- uh, Vietnam prisoner, prisoners of war confirmed what McCain said, that it was actually being alone, solitary confinement that was for most of them the most damaging. And the effects were profound. Uh, Some uh, became catatonic or developed actually autistic features. Others had panic attacks or had become extraordinarily and uncharacteristically aggressive. Even months after their release, uh, they took MRIs of, of uh, prisoners of war from uh, the former Yugoslavia, and it was the people who had been who had been subject to isolation that had, in in fact, experienced the worst neurological damage. So isolation is a deadly form of torture. Unfortunately, it's also a uh, huge characteristic of our generation today. Our modern society has become more and more isolated. We have less time for people than we used to. Uh, Families have become more and more fractured so that we are more and more disconnected from one another. Uh, Work has become more transient. People are moving jobs, being uprooted and uh, taken out of their neighborhoods, taken out of their uh, workplaces more frequently than ever before. And the result is a profound loneliness, profound isolation. Richard Schwartz is a Cambridge psychiatrist who studied this problem of loneliness, the, the, the isolation that's a part of our modern society. He said it, loneliness has been linked to an increased risk of cardiovascular disease and stroke, as well as the progression of Alzheimer's. 
One study found that it can have as much of a long-term effect on someone's physical well-being as long-term smoking. Another found that loneliness and isolation can increase the risk of premature death by 26 to 32 percent. Huge, huge impact just by being isolated, by being lonely. And it affects everyone. everyone. I think it affects everyone in this room this morning. To a certain extent, we feel and we deal with varying degrees of isolation and loneliness. And if we don't have a strategy to deal with it, the research would say the effects are profound. We're in a series called Ancient Wisdom, where we've been going back to the book of Proverbs and trying to understand what does God's word have to say about the modern problems that we all face. This morning, I'd like to have an honest assessment of our relationships. What kind of relationships do we have? Where do we stand in this whole area of isolation and loneliness? And to listen to and to really hear from what God's word would teach about a way forward, a way to developing healthier and more effective relationships. To do that, I'm going to just walk us through uh, not one passage, but a series of verses all throughout the book of Proverbs and to, to see what, what they would teach us about relationships. As we do, the first thing that we, we see is that we need wise friends, not foolish followers. The Bible will tell us how to approach friendship and the kind of friendships that we are to look for. Loneliness can make us desperate for any human contact. But the Bible says to be a little more discerning than that. We need wise friends, not foolish followers. Maybe some of you are starting a new school year. Maybe others are starting a new job. Maybe others are thinking of, of, of uh, a new dating relationship. And if you do, the Bible would warn you to choose your friends cautiously, to do so with discernment. For instance, Proverbs 13.20 famously warns, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. It's easy to choose friends because you are flattered by them rather than you out of a respect for them. We can choose friends that we make us feel the way that we are longing to be, longing to feel uh, rather than looking to their uh, their, their character or their, our sense of respect for them. The proverb warns that it's dangerous and often a pa- pa- painful path to choose someone uh, as a friend based on their popularity rather than their character. But Proverbs twenty two twenty four gets a little more specific. It says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. It it asks you to look around as you are looking for friends and to say, if you know someone who is chronically angry, chronically complaining, that the Bible warns you not to become their BFF. You're not to look to them, to to invite them in as as your inner circle. That, that, That is undiscerning. It's unwise. Bitterness is contagious. And, and the verse may seem kind of harsh. It, it may seem particularly harsh if, if 
You're the angry person. You're the, the bitter person. But God is more concerned with our character than he is in providing friendship for those who are, are angry. Jesus, of course, showed the flip side of this truth. He came and he scandalized people by the kinds of people that he hung out with. Matthew eleven nineteen says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet, he said, wisdom is justified by her deeds. Jesus was a friend of tax collectors, a friend of sinners. He ate and drank with sinners, looking for people that he might save. But his inner circle wasn't made up of tax collectors and sinners. His his inner circle was made up of disciples. Some of them had been former tax collectors, but he made his inner circle, the people that he most entrusted himself to, he entrusted himself to his disciples. We used to tell our children, there are kids we can learn from and there are kids we can help. But it's super important to be able to discern the difference between the two. If you walk into relationships without discernment, without a sense of character, without a sense of who is this person and to what degree am I receiving from them, am learning from them, am patterning my life after them, or is this someone that I can can help the the way Jesus sought to help the tax collectors and sinners, but I, I need I, I need more mature uh, uh, friends that I that I would entrust as my inner circle. As we talk about friendships and isolation, obviously we've got to talk about the internet because the internet today has been put forward as the solution to humanity's isolation, and it's not all bad. the 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 research says that people who are totally isolated and cut off from people through, the, through their involvement in social media and other means of connecting with other people, they have seen positive benefits. There, there is something to being able to connect with some, someone any way you can do it if there's not the, uh, the connection. So the Bible doesn't write that off. It just says, though, that we need neighborhood friends more than we need cyber friends. We need people that are live in front of us, near to us, more than we need uh, people that are uh, available farther away. Proverbs 27.10 here says, Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Neighbor who is near is better than a brother, someone I can really relate to, super close to me, but they're on the other side of the world. Today, uh, I do this, uh, you do this. We can connect, connect with long-lost relatives on the other side of the planet. It is easier than ever to do that. Uh, We can connect with kindred spirits in other countries who share our love for strange or exotic hobbies or interests. We we connect with people across lines like that like never before. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you break your leg, that person that's interested in... in, uh, ancient stamp collecting is um, living in, in uh, uh, Sweden is not going to be much of a, of a help to you. You need people that are close to you. You need to develop relationships with people that are near to you. 
Then continuing on with, with the internet thing, our society's obsession with going viral, with gaining followers, gaining a, gaining a following, has given us the impression with relationships that more is better. You've, you've got to have... You, you've got to have a certain number of, of, of followers. You need to get a certain number of likes. And, and that becomes the defining factor of, of uh, how, how you, you see yourself. And so with relationships, we want to get lots of relationships. People have an expect, expectation that we should have tons of friendships. But Proverbs reminds us that a few friends, not a crowd of followers, is what we most need. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man of many companions may suffer harm, may, may come to ruin because the relationships are so thin that they really don't come through. They, they can have some effect in our lives, but they don't often come with commitment attached to them. And so there can be a sense of disappointment when we were hoping that they were like this and we found out that they were more like this. The scriptures would encourage us to invest in a small group of close people. We need quality rather than quantity in our relationships, but it's that quality that is so hard in our modern society. I talked about the ways that we are becoming more and more fractured, the ways that we're moving more and more. It, it, getting quality in our relationships is a big task. So the problem of isolation is real. Loneliness is deadly. But we need wise friends, not foolish followers. So the question is, how do you make them? How do you make wise friends? For us, for me personally, this was the uh, first and the biggest uh, challenge of planting a church in Japan, going to Japan as missionaries. Because you can't lead someone to Christ if they don't first trust you. Uh, You can't plant a church of people if they don't really want to spend any time with you. Uh, And you won't last long in a new country if you can't make any relationships with the people in that country. And so for us, huge problem, huge challenge. How do, we, how do we get around that? It wasn't just our problem. It was the problem of many foreigners that we met in Japan. And probably newcomers to any country go through this and experience this. Many foreigners in Japan, for instance, said, it's the Japanese that are the problem. They're just not friendly. But over time it became clear to me that wasn't really the, the problem. I came to realize that Japanese relationships are just different. And it was an understanding of how my, the expectations that I was bringing to those relationships. And, and often there were different cues and different rules that they played by, different ways that those relationships were developed. And as long as I was oblivious to those cues not, not interested in learning the rules uh, and just bringing my own ex- expectations and assumptions that relationships should be the same here as they were there, that I was, I was frustrated and I was actually pushing people away. I wanted relationship, but I was doing things that were actually making it almost impossible for me to form relationships. 
pushing others away. And I came to the realization that it was me that had to change. It was me that needed to begin approaching relationships differently, seeing people differently, and beginning to learn different ways of of relating. Obviously, those aren't just missionary problems. They are missionary problems in whatever country you find yourself in, but they're not just missionary problems. They're, They're problems for all of us in this room, problems here in Canada as well. And again, Proverbs is so relevant in giving us, I believe, a strategy to help. Giving us a strategy to help pushing people away when we all crave and need relationship. One of the ways Proverbs warns us we push others away is that we don't respect people's boundaries. Either we are unaware or insensitive to the boundaries that people have. Proverbs 25.17 says this, Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Here's the beginning of a, of a potential friendship. It started off kind of good. One of them took the initiative with the other and said, hey, let's get together. And the, the other person responded to that invitation and said, hey, yeah, getting together would be great. The problem was that when he showed up in the guy's house, you couldn't get rid of him. Like he was there all day and all night and the next day he was back again and, and again and again and, and, and there wasn't just ever a sense that, oh, this person doesn't really want me this much. Uh, they kind of was hoping for maybe this is going to be a little bit and it just turned off like this never-ending thing. And he didn't read the cues. He didn't listen for the signals. He put assumptions on the other person that because I like to do this from morning to night and, and you know, 24-7, um, I assume that the other person does as well. There's different ways that we can do that, right? We, there's different ways that we can ignore people's personal boundaries. We can make assumptions that, well, I assume that they're just thinking exactly the same way I am. Have you ever noticed every culture has its own personal boundaries with regard to space. You seen this? Oh, Jennifer and I have a, have a friend uh, from, from Latvia, and every time uh, she comes to speak with us, she'll come up like about two inches from your face. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It just, that's, her, her personal space boundary is about two inches from your nose. And, and she begins speaking, and, and I find myself stepping back <laughs> because I, I, I need more than two inches. That's my boundary. We, we've got uh, something going. Every culture has their own space, their own distance. None of them are, are better or worse. It just, they're different. And if you don't realize what the other person's space boundary is, then you don't know when you're barging into their space and making them feel a little uncomfortable. Now, with space, it's not such a big deal. But those personal boundaries exist across this wide spectrum of personal preferences. Time is, time is a boundary. People from different cultures have different conceptions of time. And if you don't know what the other person's personal boundaries are with regard to time, you will find yourself sending off cues that you may not have meant to. E- even time, though, is still fairly, fairly, uh, a fairly simple thing. There, there are a huge number of ways that we... Uh, 
We have our own personal boundaries, and if you're not aware what they, of what they are, you can find yourself imposing them on other people or assuming them of other people and never stopping to consider, is this person had their fill of me? Has, is, have I kind of gone too far? Have I stepped over a boundary here? We also push people away when we're quick to take up offenses. This, this, this proverb gets repeated again and again, different versions of it throughout the book. For instance, Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. Or Proverbs 17.9 says something similar when it says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. The first one talked about being slow to anger and overlooking an offense. Here it talks about covering an offense. If you're easily irritated with people, you'll push them away. If, if you are quick to take up an offense, you will push other people away. You will inevitably do that. And according to the verse, if you move from irritation, and it'll start there, to then venting that irritation to other people that you can broadcast it to, then it'll probably not just create distance in the relationship, it'll often end the relationship. He who repeats the matter separates close friends. Proverbs keeps bringing up this theme. Slander, gossip, using different words to, to describe it. Proverbs 16.28 warns, A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. You know what a whisperer is, right? A whisperer is someone who's always talking about someone else, always spreading it, always stirring it up, always bringing, bringing a, uh, an Anderson Cooper on someone, but they're doing it quietly because they might be beside, you know, in the next room, whatever. It doesn't just push away the person, though. That it's not just pushing away the person that you're gossiping about. It pushes away the people that hear it as well because they're thinking, who are they whispering? Who, um, when, when I'm not here, then they're probably whispering about me. And, and, and I start to wonder. I start to question myself. Proverbs warns us how we can push others away. But how do we draw others in? What do we do to draw others into relationships? Proverbs shows that humble encouragers draw people into friendship. Probably a number of things could could be said, but as I just scanned through uh, all of the Proverbs that I could find on relationships and and opportunities for drawing people in, it just seemed that uh, humility and encouragement were, were, were the things that stood out as qualities that attract healthy relationships. Proverbs 12, 26, for instance, says, one who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. One of the ways that we can invite relationship is by looking for people that we can help. Just looking for someone that you can encourage. Looking for needs that we can meet draws people to us. Here it talks about guiding your neighbor. Uh, guide your neighbor. Uh, Got something you, your, your neighbor is kind of struggling to figure out? Teach them something. 
that's something that we do here on Monday night with our ESL ministry. We, we think, I'm, we don't know all of the needs in this community. One of them is that people are trying to learn something called English, and that's something that we can do. Guide your neighbor. Teach your neighbor. Listen to your neighbor. Uh, forgive your neighbor. Bless your neighbor. Encourage your neighbor. What does my neighbor, what might my neighbor need? And neighbor here is just anyone that is close to you. Your, your neighbors are included, though. People in your neighborhood are included. But anyone that is close to you. Friendship comes as we do things to love others and avoid the things that push them away. But humility stands out as one of the ingredients that Proverbs hold out, holds up as a thing to deepen relationships. Proverbs 27.17 is a well-known verse. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And we'll often talk about this verse as one of the benefits of, of, of friendships is that we become sharper. We become stronger. We become better, better version of ourselves. But the metaphor of iron on iron surely communicates something more than that. It's not just talking about the sharpening part. It, surely it's talking something of the process. Here, you're picturing either uh, a knife or a, a sword in, in ancient Israel that needed to be sharpened. And you got, in order to do that, if you had a big iron sword, you would get a sharpening, uh, 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 something to sharpen that sword made out of the hardest material that they had, which at the time was iron. And what you would do is you would scrape those two iron pieces together. And as you scraped and you scraped and you scraped, the rough edges would finally become smoother. We all want to become smoother, but the process was a rubbing and a grinding. It was that coming together in such a way that the rough edges get worn off. So friendship can sharpen friends. But the friends have to bring a certain humility to the relationship. There has to be a willingness to be scraped a little bit, to be filed a little bit. There has to be a willingness to talk about some of the rough edges. And so we invite relationships when we are correctable. We deepen relationships when we are correctable. It's a big theme in Proverbs. Uh, Listen to Proverbs 28, 23. It says, Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. This is, this, this is true, right? Ever tried this? It really is true, but only with someone who's correctable. Only in, with someone who's correctable is this verse true. If there's pride on either side of the rebuke, things will not end well. If there is pride on the side of the one giving the rebuke, it's not going to be received well. And if there is pride on the side of the one receiving the rebuke, then there won't be the ears to hear. It'll probably be the end of the relationship. We invite friendship when we are correctable. Proverbs 27.6 says something similar. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Again, they're contrasting two kinds of relationship, a healthy one and an unhealthy one. 
The healthy relationship is where the friends are sharpening one another, where they're willing to deal with some of the rough edges in their relationship with each other. And they invite that, that correction in each other's lives. The unhealthy relationship is one where there's just flattery and kisses. Feels good, but it's really not helping you. <laughs> it, it, it just, it, it's affirming, but it's not really sanctifying. Let me ask you a question. These are the two kinds of relationship. Which one of these can you foster on Instagram? Flattering kisses, right? It's, I'm not saying that it's, it's, it's wrong in and of itself, but on social media, we can flatter each other. We can affirm one another. We can collect likes and follows, but iron sharpening rebukes are carefully con- calculated in the context of real one-on-one interaction with people that we read and we love and we care for and they know that we care for and so they are willing to receive from us. It doesn't happen on Instagram. It can't happen on Instagram. We invite friendship when we're correctable, when we look for more than compliments, when we are open to even a rebuke. When you go that far in a relationship, you can face anything. And so we need to ask the question, do I have the courage to receive correction in my relationships? Am I developing any kinds of relationships like that? Is, Is that even on the radar of what I'm looking for in the relationships that I have? Or if I'm honest, would I say, I'm kind of, I'm kind of out for flattery and kisses. Like, that's kind of my thing. I, that sounds a whole lot more fun to me. What kind of relationships are you seeking? Do you have the humility to ask a friend, you know, are there any ways that, what, what are some of the ways that I'm pushing people away? Don't ask them, hey, are there any, any ways? Because it's assuming that the answer is, oh, no, no, no. There's, you know, you're, you're inviting flattery and kisses, right? Oh, no, it's surely not you, no. No, all, all of us, have ways that we push others away. Do you have the courage to ask someone that you trust, you care for, hey, could you you tell me what what some of the ways that I might be pushing others away? Or where do you think I need to grow? Where are some of my blind spots? Could you help me to see some of the things that I don't tend to see? Those those are the kinds of questions that invite uh, depth in our relationships. So we've taken a whirlwind tour through the ancient wisdom of Proverbs on relationships. And I'd like to close with a, just a little snippet of a mini, a mini uh, essay by uh, an author, a blogger, uh, a mom, uh, Bunmi Laditan. And she wrote a little piece called, I Missed the Village. And I think it's brilliant. She talks of missing the village she never had. Don't get the impression she grew, grew up in this idyllic vill- village. She didn't but she talks about missing the village she never had. Listen to how she describes it. She said, you'd know me and I'd know you. I'd know your children and you'd know mine. Not just on a surface level, favorite foods, games and such, but real true knowledge of the soul that flickers behind the eyes. I'd trust my children in your arms just as much as I'd trust them in mine. I miss that village of mothers that I never had. The one we traded for homes that despite being a stone's throw away, 
feel miles apart from one another. The one we traded for locked front doors, blinking devices, and afternoons alone on the floor playing one-on-one with the little ones. What gives me hope is that as I look at you from across the park with your own child in tow playing in your section of the, of the sandbox, I can tell from your curious glance and your shy smile that you miss it too. I don't think she misses the village. I think she misses the relationships. I think she misses the trust, the kind of depth of relationship that I think that Proverbs is pointing us to. I feel like everything I've said this morning kind of just goes totally against, totally in the face of the way our culture tends to think about relationships. But what I love about Bunmi Laditan's uh, I Miss the Village essay is that she tells me that our culture longs for the kinds of relationships that I think Proverbs speaks of that I think God, through his word, points us to. And if, it is, if she doesn't mourn for the, those relationships, she, she mourns her loss of them. She feels her lack of them. And surely you do as well. Let's look to God for the grace to do the hard work of seeking wise friends. Seeking wise friendships, not, not just a, a crowd of followers not just a bunch of likes. Let's be willing to look at some of the ways that we can push others away, to be honest with ourselves in examining ways that we do this when God's word would have us do more of this. And let's not just put the blame on unfriendly people. Surely, surely it's got to start with us. And finally, let's look for ways that we can draw others in draw others into our lives, uh, draw others into our life group, into our church, uh, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. All of those things are at stake in, in how we approach relationships. Nothing's automatic, but the, the scriptures would teach, and, and Proverbs has shown us that humility and a heart of encouragement are a couple of the key things that invite healthy, healthy relationship in our lives. So let's ask God for those qualities. Let's seek God for uh, what he would give us that we might uh, nurture these relationships and find ourselves strengthened in the process even as we seek to strengthen others. Let's look to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're all touched by the loneliness and the isolation Uh, that we've talked about this morning. Would you help us to build healthy friendships? Would you give us help in showing love to our neighbors? Give us help in not pushing people away. Give us the courage to confront the things in our life that would discourage relationship and only increase our isolation. And also give us the courage to take our friendships deeper. Give us a willingness to invite correction. 
And as you do, Father, would you meet us in our loneliness? Would you draw near when we feel alone? Would you help us to experience Emmanuel, God with us? And as you do, help us to be a friend of sinners. Help us to be the presence of God in the midst of a lonely world for those who desperately need the friendship that you offer freely in Christ. For we ask you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.